Today's podcast is brought to you by the Bioceuticals Integrative Oncology Workshop with Dr. Lee Zalchula. This full-day program will run between the dates of the 20th and 28th of July across Melbourne, Sydney, Gold Coast, Adelaide and Perth. The intensive class will explore key concepts and therapeutic integrative strategies for breast, prostate, colon and lung cancers, as well as how to support toxicities associated with conventional treatment. By the end of the day, you'll be able to confidently implement this important aspect of patient care into your clinical practice. For more information and to register for this critical event, please visit the Bioceuticals website at bioceuticals.com.au. FX Radio, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. And with me on the line today is Elizabeth Cowley. Now, Elizabeth has a Bachelor of Health Science in Naturopathy from, from the University of New England, and also an Advanced Diploma of Naturopathy and Diploma of Nutrition from Nature Care College in Sydney. Liz works at Mossman Chiropractic Centre in Sydney, and she's especially interested in digestive health, women's health, including supporting pregnancy and birth, but she treats a wide variety of patients, being basically a naturopathic general practitioner, if you like. But she's also a trainer at Sydney's Nature Care College, and she supervises the student clinic there. Liz sustains a healthy, balanced, green lifestyle, enjoying cooking, yoga, time with her daughter, family and friends, and the greater Australian outdoors. Liz, welcome to FX Radio. Thanks, Andrew. Nice to be here. Now, Liz... um, I'm going to focus on one area of your broad practice today, and that's sort of both acute and and chronic pain. But first, I'd really like to learn a little bit about your history because it's a little bit different. Tell me where you spring from and what led you to become a naturopath. Yes, well, um, naturopathy is actually my second career, Andrew. I um, originally had a Bachelor of Science and worked in advertising for many years. Um, But, you know, I was a young mum. I had a very hectic career, which was very deadline-driven with lots of stress combined with my uh, slightly type A personality. And (laughs) eventually my health began to suffer. So I was living off antacids. I had terrible reflux and then IBS. I was really quite frazzled and anxious and uh, had chronic tonsillitis and whatnot. So, you know, went to the doctor and kept getting all sorts of prescriptions for different things, which I never really fulfilled because they were giving me um, sleeping pills, Zantac, antidepressants. Um, And it was actually a naturopathic practitioner that really made a difference in my life and helped me to feel human again. And I thought, wow, if someone can help me feel better when I'm in this terrible state, I want to know more about this. And uh, that was my sort of epiphany, and um, wow. so I went off to, went off to investigate uh, what was, what this was all about. I mean, I'd always had a bit of an interest anyway in things like aromatherapy and herbal teas, but um, yeah. And uh, this particular naturopath said, "Well, what is it that you really want to do? You don't seem to be loving your job." And I went, "You know, I'm actually interested in this naturopathic business." So threw away the corporate career and took up. Naturopathy, and really, just from day one, it felt like a calling to me. It was what I was meant to be doing all along. That's a big ask, coming from a very um, objective type of business to a quite a you know subjective, touchy feely, caring type of business. That's a f- that's a flip. 
It really is because um, I was very mathematically and scientifically inclined, that real left brain side mm. of things. Mm. Um, and, yeah, switching more over to, I guess, guess the right side and the healing and nurturing. But, um, you know what, I think my previous history really serves me well in, in my career at the moment because it's very much about problem solving and analysing and really breaking things down. So it all comes together and it was all worth it in the end. What, what's interesting to me as well, and this is just something I've noted, I don't know whether it's true or not, but I just seem to note that many natural medicine practitioners tried the medical model and it failed them. They had some health issue which just didn't work, didn't fit into a box, and they sought outside help got that help, then got interested. Whereas there's a very small, a much smaller group who they've always been this sort of searcher, what what else is out there sort of thing. I fit into that mm. first box because um, I was a, a real sceptic for natural medicine. So I'm a bit of a turncoat. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about, though, your childhood. You said you were always open to this. So did your parents use natural medicine at all? Um, not so much natural medicines, but mum certainly had a lot of, uh, I guess, the old old wise remedies. Um, so whenever it was a sore throat, we didn't go straight to the doctor. It was, well, let's gargle with salt water and let's try the hot lemon and honey. And, um, you know, a lot of those traditional home remedies as such. Yeah. yeah so um, grew up in a big family as well. Um, and we had lots of healthy home-cooked foods, never had any junk food in the house. So I guess I had really good foundations there um, from the start. We had fruit trees growing in the backyard wow. um, and, and lots and lots of nature time, you know, climbing trees and, <laughs> and all that. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've now, you know, really progressed and you've got a, a broad practice. Um, tell me about some of these patient groups, though. What do you see and, and how do these patients present? Okay, so I'm working in a chiropractic clinic at the moment with two, three actually wonderful chiropractors, um, a massage therapist and myself. So we work collaboratively with people. A lot of it is in-house referrals um, because we all believe in the holistic approach, but we also recognize the limits of our own modalities. So for example, um, if the chiropractors have people with acute or chronic back pain, um, neuralgias or ongoing migraines, things like that, they address the structural side of things, um, but there could be an underlying, you know, chemical or nutritional imbalance there, which they then refer on to me to to help people to um, work through and restore their health. So it works really well together. I see, um, I guess, what you'd say, general practice. I see everything from um, babies with colic and, and allergies and conditions like that, through to teenagers with their stress and hormonal imbalances. Um, People preparing for pregnancy, uh, fertility issues, stressed out executives uh, with their high blood pressure and high cholesterol through to the elderly. I mean, we've, I think our oldest patient in the clinic is about 92. Wow. Um, so we, <laughs> we really have the whole family and the whole uh, age group covered, which is lovely. And yeah. uh, also I see a good handful of people that are very much um, the, the rare and unusual, which they often come to us as a last resort. Again, all people that are trying to avoid having um, extreme spinal surgery yeah. and really want to make sure they've covered all bases. So it's, it's really interesting, and I love what I do. So today I want to focus on a sort of very small area of your, your practice. Well, I shouldn't say small, but a, a focused area of your practice, which is acute and chronic pain. So yes. tell me about this group of patients. What do you see, and, and how does it work, this interreferral in, your, in the clinic? Okay, so... 
Look, on the spectrum, we would have um, a fair share of acute injuries. So people coming in either with um, things like slip discs or uh, roll their ankles, sporting injuries, um, whiplash from car accidents, etc., um, through to chronic conditions that are being managed both through chiropractic care and naturopathically. So we might have um, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, there's people with ongoing allergies with sinus pain, etc. Um, I really see a little bit of everything. We have people with... Um, occupational issues that are doing a lot of heavy lifting, you know, tradies, etc., that yep. are there for maintaining uh, the, their strength and the state of their health, um, as well as athletes. I see athletes who are really looking to get the most out of their bodies um, and prevent injuries and uh, prepare for events. So I, you know, this is going to be a piece of string question because we're talking about pain, which is so many aspects to. Mm. Um, and, and I will delve into a little bit about some of those other aspects. But can I just ask, this is a little bit simplistic. What nutrients and herbs do you commonly use and what other therapies do you employ? Okay. Well, first of all, um, I'm a really big prescriber of my herbal medicines. I absolutely love them. Um, so I do tend to use a lot of liquid blends, uh, but there's always some people that really can't tolerate the taste and I don't necessarily blame them. So it's always good to have the um, various herbal formulations in tableted form to help with that. And the first goal, I guess, is really to give them some sort of symptomatic relief to get them feeling good and to break that cycle um, and get the healing process going. So... This is where I'd be calling on my herbs like turmeric, um, for example, with this beautiful anti-inflammatory action. We have um, Jamaican dogwood is another lovely one. Um, really good for helping to calm down when people are in a very stressed out state from, um, from their pain. Mm. Also use ginger as well. It's such a simple herb, but um, in the mix, it works really, really well. It's you know, a COX-2 inhibitor, so reducing the, the prostaglandins there and highly anti-inflammatory. And you certainly don't um, have to use a lot. That's right. Nice low-dose herb. So really nice one to include in the bottle there. And then, look, there's, there's a whole lot of anti-inflammatories. We've got things like your uh, willow bark, salix alba. Um, we have devil's claw. It really depends if we're looking at, I guess, joint and, and joint pain um, or if we're looking at spasmodic pain or whether it's more of a neuralgic pain too, that'll determine what other herbs will be selected to go into the mix. Okay, so maybe we can differentiate a little bit. So if you're talking about like a neuralgic pain, what sort of herbs mm. would you favour? Again, it's really going to, it's going to depend on the person's, um, I guess, current medication status as well. So St. John's Ward is a beautiful um, nervine tonic. So everyone knows it for its antidepressant actions, but it's, it's also fantastic for nerve pain. Um, but again, we've got to be mindful of the interactions there if they are on other medications. Um, and then we look at things that are really going to be um, quite calming to the nervous system as well as anti-inflammatory. So... Um, things such as kava, which is super relaxing, taking that um, anxious edge off. Uh, you've got your anti-spasmodic calming herbs, things like valerian, um, Californian poppy even. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, even lemon balm, for example, is a really good nervous yeah. system tonic. Can I ask you about valerian? Because I feel that valerian's been a little bit labelled as having, oh, you know, practitioners say, oh, no, valerian can't use it. It reacts with my patients. I haven't found that huge reaction. Some people have it. Mm. What's, your, what's been your experience? Um, 
look, my experience is you need to have a, a you know a good dose of it for it to be sedative, but it does have this lovely um, muscle relaxing effect too, which can be really beneficial when the pain is a, of a, a tense origin, you know, where there's lots of muscular spasms going on. So it can just help to calm and relax uh, the person overall. And I haven't really seen any adverse effects from, certainly not from the liquid herbs. I've had people self-report that they've taken valerian elsewhere and it might be a, you know, a cheap supermarket version or something, but in clinical practice I haven't had any issues with valerian. And tell me more about uh, things like Jamaican dogwood um, for, you know, you're saying taking the edge off it, off the pain. Yes, it tends to work quite quickly. Um, Jamaican dogwood has an anti-inflammatory action as well as that lovely analgesic effect um, and it has a spasmolytic effect as well. So reducing any spasms that are going on, it's mildly sedative uh, so it can really help to calm a person down if they are feeling quite stressed and anxious with their pain and really good therefore for for migraines, um, neuralgia, even sciatica, for example, and um, also period pain, very mm. good for. And there's the poster child of any pain relief <laughs> with, with herbal medicine, That's or spicing medicine, that's curcumin. Uh, tell me yes. about how what you use it for, but I'm very interested as well in some reported side effects of very high dose, mainly in cancer patients. What's been your experience when you're using fluid extracts? Again, I haven't really noticed any adverse effects whatsoever um, then again I haven't gone extremely high doses with these things I tend to to dose sort of mid-range and then monitor the person and see how they go so turmeric is is indicated wherever there's any sort of inflammation just to really mop that up um, it has a great antioxidant effect so really helping the liver to deal with um, toxins that are produced um, through inflammatory or oxidative stress um, so the only issue is that it is a high-dose herb. So if you're making up a liquid formula, it takes up a lot of space in the bottle. So I do tend to look for the um, the extracts that are in a tableted form there so I can keep more room in the bottle for, for other herbs. Yeah. Well, I like that because that's, that's one of these pragmatic things with herbal dispensing is you, you've got to think, well, how much bottle have I got to work with? <laughs> you know, sometimes, like well, ginger, for instance, you get a really punchy dose. You don't want to be using, you know, 20 mils. <laughs> It'd blow your socks off. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And speaking of ginger, I mean, it does go into any pain mix that I make up um, simply because it, of its anti-inflammatory effect, but it has a really synergistic effect as well. So there's this, you know, I was taught that it, it kind of sends the herbs throughout the body because it's such a great circulatory mm. stimulant, as well as being, you know, nature's form of aspirin. So... You know, that, that sort of blood thinning effect. Um, and really low dose, like you said, it's about sort of, you know, 10 to 20 mils in a 200 mil bottle. So you don't have to use a lot of it to get a really nice effect. Hmm. What about Boswellia? It was a pretty common herb about a decade ago. It's sort of, it's found its place, but it, it doesn't seem to be this hero anymore. Yeah, I um, haven't really been a huge fan of using it in liquid um, herbs. Not a great taste. Um, it's actually the resin the part resin. of the plant. It's the active part there. Um, look, it's a wonderful herb for your, I guess, joint-related inflammation as well, so some specific for arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, but uh, also indicated for things like inflammatory bowel disease and um, and even for managing cancer too. So it's, it's a great anti-inflammatory and, again, analgesic effects um, and then has this anti-proliferative effect as well. So 
I tend not to use it in liquid herbs. Again, prefer to choose a formulation that has it included in that so I can still have the benefits yeah. um, without having to deal with it in the, in the formulation. Yeah. yeah. Just for the listeners, one of the, the things that I picked up from a few people is, and this is years ago, they, they thought, oh, it's, it contains boswellic acid and I've got a gut complaint, so therefore it's an acid and that's going to be bad for my gut complaint. That's not the right thinking. In, in fact, it's very good for irritable bowel and ulcerative colitis. It's great. This is true. It's just they say to just be cautious if there's reflux and that sort of acid higher up. Yeah. Um, so perfect for, for lower gut um, inflammation, but just being mindful if the person does have um, a, a pre-existing reflux. One of my other favourite herbs I used to use quite a lot of is Corydalis, and it, it's, I'm a real fan of this herb. Tell me about your usage of it. Yeah, so Corydalis um, fantastic for, for visceral pain. So I tend to use it more where there's um, pain going on, for example, uh, period pain uh, or sort of that more colicky pain rather than musculoskeletal. Uh, that's just my personal preference for it. But yeah, again, I love working with that and the Jamaican dogwood together um, for my period pain ladies. And it brings really good results. So analgesic um, and that mild sedative hypnotic effect as well which can um, really help to calm down a person that's feeling very stressed with their pain levels whether yeah. you know to the point where it's interfering with their quality of life what about nutrients though magnesium is you know I, I use this too much the poster child of the nutrient realm because of its effect on substance p but also relaxing muscles what about things like bromelain though Absolutely. Um, bromelain is, I imagine, is like the little Pac-Man. Um, it's an enzyme that can go in and sort of eat away at those inflammatory uh, mediators there. So um, bromelain tend to use that again in a um, tableted formulation in some form. There's um, a few around that have that and sometimes even combined with um, papain as well, which is the enzyme from papaya. Um, both of them are quite anti-inflammatory and work really well for for acute injuries. So things like sprains and strains, I find very very effective. I um, I once did my ankle falling down a flight of stairs, much like the cook off Sesame Street, and I held, <laughs> <laughs> and I I actually like really seriously held a very bad sprain for around about twenty four mm. hours by taking absolutely huge doses of bromelain and quercetin and um, mm-hmm. and then I got cocky and I thought oh, it couldn't have been that bad I was just being a you know, typical male so I stopped taking it and boof <laughs> it, it was it, like both sides bruising and really horrible so bromelain really works very effectively and very acutely Absolutely, as does the magnesium as well if there's muscular spasm involved, which, as you know, if you injure an area, a lot of the muscles of the body will kind of go in to protect and compensate. So um, magnesium is, is a nutrient I use a lot of with my patients. What, what about other modalities like acupuncture, massage? You've obviously worked in a chiropractic clinic, so chiropractic in acute injuries like that, like a sprain. Mm. Can chiropractic work? Look, chiropractic is amazing. I wouldn't practice without it, actually, <laughs> because it has quite instant effects. So chiropractic, working on the spine alignment as well as uh, the nervous system, so it can really turn down that sympathetic response. Mm. And also if someone has you know, fallen or got a whiplash um, and, and put something out of, out of alignment, they can 
pop it back into place and, and help the muscles to calm down and get quite instant results, as well as then managing the recovery just to make sure that things are healing in the correct position. So I really look to chiropractic to manage the structural side of things as well as its um, bringing effect on, on the nervous system and improving circulation to areas um, while I'm working more on the, the internal side for people. And acupuncture, absolutely. Um, great results with that. I've, I've had a couple of situations where we've helped a person to maybe about 95% of their healing and there's just that last little bit. And if they get acupuncture treatment, it's just the thing that tops it all off. So really good for things like your RSI, frozen shoulder, tennis elbow, etc., and, and even bursitis in the hip. Oh, okay, great. Now, at the very beginning, you mentioned sinusitis and sinus pain. It's not when people mention pain, they think, "Oh, joint." That's the normal thing, you know, sports injuries, but not sinusitis pain. Tell me how you treat. What sort of things do you use? So, for sinus pain, I'd be looking at um, you know reducing those inflammatory um, markers again. So that's where your bromelain can be quite handy in quercetin, um, even vitamin C, etc. I'm a big fan of um, using the the essential oil steam inhalations as well for that. But working in conjunction with the chiropractors too because they can work on um, you know, the cranial bones um, and really help with the drainage through there. So manual therapies, acupuncture and, and treating it herbally and nutritionally and we really get, get things cleared up for people. And compresses as well, not forgetting. So you know, even using a, a warm flannel on the face to really start to almost melt away that congestion through there and bring a bit of relief to the pressure. You know, I think we, people so often overlook the use of compresses and inhalations. Mm. It might take a little while for an inhalation to work, but jeepers, you get good relief. Absolutely. I mean, when I tell people to go home, get the bucket of water or a bowl of water and a couple of drops of you know eucalyptus oil, lavender oil, tea tree oil, towel over the head, they go, oh, yeah, I used to do that as a child. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. <laughs> so, and, um, and having said that, there's some wonderful navel sprays these days that actually contain the essential oils in them, so that's good to see Ah, too. great. Moving on to chronic pain, like, you know, for instance, lower back pain. It's so prevalent in our society. I think um, was it 90% of people at some time suffer lower back pain in Australia, and I think it's mm. something like 30% at any one time or... It's huge. What do you use? It is a huge amount. Okay, so if we're looking at it from a holistic point of view, um, first of all, looking into see, well, what's the cause of it? What's going on here? Is this a postural thing? Are they carrying extra weight? Um, is it to do with stress? Is it a previous injury? Is there degeneration going on? So try to identify the cause and work with that as well. Um, but in terms of bringing relief, looking at um, anti-inflammatories again, so all the herbs I've mentioned before, um, looking at improving circulation, if it's a bit of a stagnation picture there, if it's someone who is you know, sitting at a desk um, all week long or, or driving in a, in a car or a bus or whatever for, for hours on end um, and really getting some movement through there. But looking at joint support too, so your fish oils, glucosamine, chondroitin, etc. Um, and then remembering the topical applications, so working with either heat packs um, or if it's you know, they need to do some physical therapies, stretching, yep. exercise, um, and obviously working with my chiropractors again to <laughs> make sure that everything's in alignment and to get some other tips on what they can do to work their muscles a bit better to support that. Often with lower back pain, it can be um, not a lot of strength through the, the abdominal muscles, so getting people to really work on the front in order to stabilise through the back there. Liz, uh do you find many cautions with medications, certainly in dealing with patients with pain? 
Yes, look, I really do. Um, so for a start, the elderly often suffer a lot of pain and can be on a whole load of medications, uh, blood pressure meds, um, blood thinners, etc. So it's, it's really important to cross-check with them and make sure they're not self-prescribing because some of these herbs are so effective that they have similar actions to the medications and can actually potentiate the action. So for example, we have uh, ginger and turmeric which are both uh, effectively blood thinners um, with their COX-2 inhibiting action and can therefore uh, potentiate the action of aspirin or warfarin and um, lead to to bruising and bleeding, which is not good. Um, and then if there was St. John's wort, for example, included in uh, a formulation, that too uh, can interfere with many medications. So it's really important that people uh, do seek their practitioner's advice and uh, to work with the medications that they're on and get the most out of the herbal treatment as well. You, you mentioned stress um, earlier, and I think people underrate the the part that stress plays in accentuating pain. And mm. we, we sort of tend to go, oh, stress and pain equals magnesium rather than herbs. Tell me, what do you use in this situation? Well, look, stress can be emotional stress, but it, it really can lead to extra physical stress because it, it, it's creating tension and tightness and constriction. It can certainly exacerbate things like your migraine headaches um, and lower back pain. So what I do is aim to decrease the stress using things like your nervines, which are very calming to, uh, calming to the nervous system, um, and adrenal tonics as well, or the adaptogen um, herbs, which are really going to help the person's um, ability to handle the stress that they're under um, and hopefully decrease the, the negative effects. So I'd be looking at things like wythania, uh, licorice, um, Siberian ginseng, and then all the beautiful Mervine herbs, everything from, say, chamomile, gullcap, St. John's wort again, uh, even motherwort is really good for a highly anxious, stressed-out person. Um, and then, you know, making sure they're avoiding... Their stimulant foods, which are also exacerbating the uh, stress effects, so looking at their caffeine intake, sugar, etc. And then I, I work with a lot of other um, holistic approaches, so maybe teaching them a little bit of meditation and mindfulness, Beautiful. Um, deep yeah. breathing techniques, for example, uh, referring on for counselling if need be, or recommending they come in for a massage and receive some uh, TLC, or maybe it's just that they need to, you know, take a holiday and, and have a look at what's going on in their life. So really looking at the underlying cause, supporting the body through herbal medicine, nutrition um, and nutrient supplements, and then using other modalities as well to have that really holistic approach. You and I have spoken previously, and, and you have a brilliant analogy which you like to, to use to explain your integrative approach in the clinic. And I think it would be great for you to explain that to, to the listeners. Would you mind? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I tell my patients is that your body is your vehicle. So you've got to treat it like it's a sports car. And, you know, we can do all of this work to make sure that we're putting in the right fuels and that everything's moving nicely through the pipes, etc., and making sure you're not accelerating too fast and burning through your fuel too quickly. But at the end of the day, if you've bumped your wheel uh, and it's a little bit out of alignment, you're going to constantly wear down the tyres in the wrong way and unevenly and more quickly than you should, which will then affect um, eventually the axle and maybe even the chassis. So 
it's a really good idea to check the structural alignment of your body um, to make sure that it's, it's all working nicely and therefore seeing a chiropractor at the same time as working on your nutritional status is going to make sure that we're not wearing and tearing your body and your joints down in the wrong ways and getting the most out of it. I think that perfectly explains integrative practice. Well done. Thank you. Liz, thank you so much for taking us through what you do for painful conditions in your clinic because one of the things that I'm so glad you did, it's great to talk about supplements and these, you know, physical interventions that we do, but we must be mindful that the patient is a person with a life outside of our clinic and they experience the stressors therein. Um, so I'm so, so glad that you included things like mindfulness and diet and taking holidays and being with life. It's, it's great. And it really accentuates, you know, uh, what you said in your bio, and that is that you love to spend time in the outdoors enjoying our great country. Yes, well, it's true. A lot of people do suffer from a nature deficiency. <laughs> they need some fresh air and some sunshine and getting away from, uh, you know, being locked up and feeling like they're, they're trapped in their jobs or, <laughs> or their home. Mm, so. Mm. There's Indeed. a lot to be said for being in the great outdoors. Indeed. Elizabeth Cowley, I thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Andrew. It's my pleasure. This is FX Radio, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Mm-hmm.